Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. This is The Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Football GM Podcast 2023 NFL Regular Season Edition. Mike Sando here from The Athletic, along with the GM, the Athletics GM, Randy Mueller. Randy, we're one game in, Detroit Lions 1-0, Kansas City Chiefs 0-1. Tons of stuff to talk about as the season gets going this weekend. Glad to be back, aren't we? Yeah, very glad. Like I say all the time, the key still works, and they've had us back for another season. Now, this is season three for us, right? I think it is, yeah. I yeah. think it really is, and we're in a new slot here recording this uh to, to go live on Saturdays, which is different for us, but good. Yeah, for, really, different. I like it. I, I like having a little more time to digest and think about things. How about you? Yeah, I'm good with it. I think that during the week, a lot of things happen. And I don't think the folks will be surprised to know we, we do record on Friday, depending on when and where the time yeah. fits, but it then it comes out on Saturday. So it's a, a pretty good download of a week's worth of information that yeah. I think people will find uh you know, interesting and, and a little different than what they get around the dial. Yeah, absolutely. And some different perspectives, a little bit yeah. of time to marinate. We, we're really close to the games, too, so we can look ahead to a couple of those. We will bring back the picks segment. Well, I people remember. can hardly wait for that, Mike. I well, just they're, they're not going to be able to – they're probably fast-forwarding to the end of the show right now. No, I think what's happened is a lot of our a lot of our listeners have done so well gambling off of our recommendations <laughs> that they are now retired and have a lot of time to listen to podcasts. Well, so we are, are we should probably even have more people kind of coming on board. I should go back and look and see just how many games above five hundred we were against the spread. I mean, I, it had to be dozens and dozens of games. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we make fun of ourselves, but we've been on rolls a time or two, maybe individually or like any other gaming uh, prediction. They're not going to all be right, but we've had our days. That's for sure. I always tell Randy, like, you know, Randy's a humble guy. When he writes his columns, he's got this self-deprecating way where he's like, yeah, you know, (laughs) this and such and such will get you a Starbucks at the the corner. And I like Randy. The, the the pennies that fall out of your pocket are gold to the rest of us, okay? Just remember that. All the little insights into the league, how it actually works, the little phrases, the phraseology, that's the stuff that I eat up. It's it's not like talking to a, an executive in the NFL. It's actually talking to one. So I love that component of it. That's what I really love when I go to training camps, just talking to people that are in and around the game and have the type of experience that you can only get from being on the inside. So... Let's start – stop talking about ourselves. Let's start talking about football. Lions 21, Chiefs 20, Chiefs receivers 0. <laughs> what do you think, Mueller? Well, obviously that's the hot topic, right? And I heard <laughs> uh, Andy Reid, the coach of the Chiefs last week, say we need our no-name receivers to step up like they have in the past. And he he, he referred to no-name guys two or three times in this interview. I think it was with Rich Eisen on NFL Network. And I was thinking yeah. this morning – those no-name guys might become new-name guys if this continues, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that was disappointing. I'll say this. The takeaway should be 
Detroit was up to the task. They handled the crowd. They handled the environment. You know, Mike, I mean, I spent 27 years in the AFC West. I know how hard it is to go to Kansas City. Oh, Trust yeah. me. It is I don't a care who's playing. I don't care from who's the minute playing you receiver. get on the bus at the hotel. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it's a hard place to play. And I thought the Lions handled it. They handled it with expertise, with poise, with with pressure not bothering them. And then I was even impressed after the game with the way Dan Campbell handled the post-game press conference. He was very matter-of-fact. He wasn't rah-rah, beating his chest, you know, we're coming, we're here, none of that. It was very professional, and I think he realizes this is one of 17, and his team, like he said, just confirmed validity as to what he thought they were. So I was impressed with the Lions throughout the whole process. Now, having said that, Obviously, we know the Chiefs didn't have their best players. They didn't have their second best player, didn't have their third best player. And the yeah. game turned on one play. But that's the way the NFL is. Oh, it yeah. is always a do without. We got to make the best of it this week because injuries aren't, you know, it's not if, it's just when they're going to happen. And circumstances change your dynamics of your roster every week. So yeah. there was a lot of yeah. things to take away. I don't know what your thoughts yeah. were, but I'm trying to give the Lions as much credit as I can. Well, it's a signature win under Dan Campbell. You know, and you yes. look for those uh, along the way. I don't care. I don't care if but the receivers were hinged on this or that. If Kelsey didn't play, I mean that that stuff. Of course, we don't think the Lions are better than the Chiefs. Okay, if everyone if they play ten times and the Chiefs have all their guns, I'm, we're taking the Chiefs to win eight times. That's fine. It's not what it's about. It's about the fact that they went on the road and controlled what they could control in a very difficult environment with the whole country watching after an off season of a lot of hype. And when there's expectations put upon you. How do you handle that, right? I thought everybody was poised. Jared Goff was poised. Uh, Campbell was poised. This was Detroit's, just statistically, third best defensive game in 18 games dating the start of last season. I think that's significant because you can see, and Patrick Mahomes is a magician. I mean, even being shorthanded, he, he can just about win the game anyway, running around, making pinpoint passes. So that's a, to beat Mahomes, I don't care if there's no one else out there with him. That's something. Um, if you look at signature wins potentially in the past, yeah, they, the Lions have beat Green Bay a couple times, but I don't know. In the division, that's a little different. I don't know if you get signature wins in the division. T- teams beat their division rivals. Um, Campbell had been, uh, four eleven and one versus teams that went to the playoffs the previous year. We're coming off a playoff year, so and all all of the three previous wins against uh those playoff teams were against the Packers. So this is different. This is going and beating Kansas City uh, on the road. I really like that. So I think you have to give them credit uh, fully for the win. Uh, now, as for the Chiefs. What I wanted to ask you was, you know, you're obviously they're not going to panic, but if you're the GM there, you've been dealt a couple things in the last few days. Number one, the Travis Kelsey injury changes the dynamic of your team. Uh, and no he could miss weeks. I mean, who, who knows? Mm-hmm. So this, if, if Kelsey had played and, the, and a ball went off of receiver's hands and was returned, I think he'd just go on to next week. And that, maybe that's what they do. But I was just thinking in the back of my mind, if you're going to miss Kelsey, hey, Mike Evans is out there complaining about his contract situation with the Bucks. Seems like he looked pretty good in a Chiefs uniform if we're playing fantasy football. Um, at the same time, they probably have four or five weeks to assess you know, where they're at at the position. And maybe Kadarius Tony's going to be fine. Maybe young guys are going to be fine. Um, 
what's your thought on that in terms of, you know, adding to the group or feeling like you need to assess it? I think this is 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 a great analysis of why we play the games, but also why we do things on paper and then adjust when the season starts. Um, every week, things change. Like you said, Kelsey gets hurt two days ago. Uh, nobody knows if he's going to play. Kelsey is the focal point of their offense. I understand Pat Mahomes is the best player in the league. I get it. But Kelsey, you can call him a tight end if you want. He's really a receiver. And he's their most vital weapon and target and the guy that they go to all the time. They don't have a replacement for that. So there's a lot of ways to do that. Now, the attention came to the receivers when they didn't step up. They've got several receivers that are pretty good B players or a C-plus player. Nobody that's really going to jump and take Travis Kelsey's place. You can fill in with a bunch of those guys, but you bring up a great point. Now you have to assess where you're going for the next month. You can't have this kind of performance for a month. You can probably only have it maybe one more week and then your margin for error is gone. So if I'm the Chiefs now, I don't know about Mike Evans because they they assessed their team and they weren't willing to pay, say, for a DeAndre Hopkins or somebody like that who was available. Now that changes because Kelsey's not in the mix, but I don't know that they would have money to pay for a Mike Evans or something like that. Mike Evans is 30 and I understand he would be a rental, but you'd have to give compensation and then probably give him something to make him happy. I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I could see them kind of reassessing now and finding a veteran who is maybe on another team's practice squad. You know, maybe it's a Marquez Callaway who was with Denver all camp and now on the Raiders practice squad or a Jamison Crowder who's now with the commanders or even somebody they've had in the past. And I I even thought about a guy like Josh Gordon who was there a couple years ago who played in the XFL, was very productive in the XFL, who we had in Seattle. I'd have no problem bringing Josh Gordon in because I know he can do some of the things those guys were missing last night. And and what what I think they were missing was, we, and maybe you're going to ask me this, but Tony, um, Sky Moore, those guys are explosive athletes, really fast, can stretch the defense and make you miss with the ball in their hands all the time. The problem is their catching radius doesn't match up. They And we saw that last night. They aren't guys that can catch outside of their frame. They aren't guys that can make the adjustments per se or catch when they're covered. I feel like Kelsey gives them an option that he's, even when he's covered, he's open. Yep. So they might need a, a, a – and you mentioned it. Mike Evans might be a bigger option. Um, Hopkins, a bigger body. Somebody like Josh Gordon, a bigger body who can catch when he's covered and that way – Mahomes always knows where they're at and can throw it even when there's little DBs on them. I find that is the probably the one missing link for people when they look at receiving skills and when you build your team. Everybody looks for fast guys. Nobody loves fast guys more than I do. I get it. But the art of catching when you're covered is something that I think is under the radar and part, should be part of everybody's criteria because guess what happens in the NFL? They cover you. <laughs> the defensive backs are good. Defensive coaches are good. They cover you. And what can you do when, you, when you're covered? You can't. And, and again, we had drops last night when guys weren't even covered. But still, I think the point is when we're trying to replace Kelsey, that is a guy who catches when he's covered, gets all the 50-50 balls, no problem at all, having confidence that he's going to come down with the ball. That's the element I could see them adjusting. I don't know that they're going to get a veteran off another team at this point or make a trade, but I could see them adding somebody to the mix from another team's practice squad or adding a veteran who has not signed somewhere to their practice squad. 
Yeah, it's interesting what you said made me think about, you know, having different types of wide receivers on your roster. And obviously mm-hmm. they didn't know they're going to lose Kelsey, but, you know, it gets serious in a hurry here. They're playing at Jacksonville next week. So, yep. yeah, that's yep. a game that could have implications for playoff seeding. Who knows? I mean, Jacksonville could have a really good year. Uh, and they do get You better extra have time. a security blanket for Mahomes, Mike, because they're going to come after you. And, and uh, we've said yeah. they're going to come hard. They've got really good rushers, and, and they need a Kelsey option for sure, more than they had last night. I don't, that, Not to interrupt. I apologize. Yeah, no, no. I want to hear it. I a couple it. tight ends that they played last night, I just don't know if they're good enough. That was a part to me that they kind of – they really fell off. And you're going to always fall off from a Pro Bowl guy like Kelsey, but they may have to look there as a replacement – or like I say, a bigger slot guy or somebody that fits the bill there. So it's a different type of criteria you're filling to replace a Kelsey than you were when you were building the team. And that's what I think makes good GMs, good head coaches, because they can fix stuff that happens during the season. And I'll be honest with you, shit happens every week. You got to fix it. <laughs> hey, do you think the Jaguars will have a good bead, a good read on Jawan Taylor, the tackle for the Chiefs, who was <laughs> lining up all over the place except on the line of scrimmage last night? Because he came yeah, from there. I, I bet you they got yeah. a good plan for him. Yep. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but you're right. That game's already got me a little bit intrigued. And you bring up the point of Juwan Taylor and what he was allowed to get away with last night. That's embarrassing for the league. I'll be honest with you. That's disappointing for the league to allow that. And I know we talked about it before the show, the officials that they use in the box upstairs to analyze the rules and all that. Even they thought it was a bad job last night of allowing that to happen. So that that, that stuff shouldn't happen. You got to cut that off right away. And and it, it involves the integrity of the game when you allow it to go four quarters. And then what they call it in the fourth quarter, of course. I mean, hilarious how much you always see guys cheat back. But I mean, I yeah. thought, geez, was this a running back back there? You know, someone, <laughs> I think they joke, do they joke on the broadcast he was lining up in the slot? Did somebody say that? <laughs> well, it was funny. He said his, his helmet has to be in the midline of the center. <laughs> he wasn't even in the midline of the guard who was two feet behind him. Hey, hey, I think hey, I saw hey. his right. Uh, leg one time three and a half yards off the ball. I mean, hey, that's I crazy. Bet, I bet you we could go into the NGS tracking thing and see where his thing was. If it's precise enough, you <laughs> could say, say how far this guy's lined up behind the, yeah. the ball. I mean, it had to be unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Messed up. So, anyway, um, we got sidetracked. Sorry. No, that's great. But so before we, I know you wanted to talk about Chris Jones too, which I think we, I do too. But, you know, <laughs> the, the thing that, I think what we saw last night, and like we said, it, they were they were really surprised to get two days before the game to lose Kelsey. It's hard to yeah. change your whole game plan with ten days. You're gonna they're gonna be much better prepared. Those guys will play better. They'll have yep. a better plan. I think Andy Reid with time to prepare is the best. That's why we always yep. hear about his record starting the year, his record coming off buys. Uh, but at the last minute to lose the one guy you had to have, other than Mahomes on offense. Uh, you know, and then to have the breaks go the absolute worst possible thing to have it, not only guys dropping the ball, but have it be, be pick six, that yeah. really changed the game. I think the chiefs win the game without the pick six, Yeah, probably just ha- hold on and, and grind it out. But these quarterbacks, even when they're great, they do need a baseline level of weaponry to, to, to play well. And I think for Tom Brady, we used to see that with Gronkowski, you know, when Rob Gronkowski would go out of the game sometimes, unless they really had a high-level Edelman or somebody else who was really a kind of a blue-type receiver. Um, it could look bad, surprisingly bad for for being Tom Brady. So Mahomes gives you the ability to scramble for eight yards on third and seven and drive you crazy with yep. incredible Which did, throws. Yep. Yeah, but uh, we saw how hard it can get if you don't have a certain level at that. Now, Chris Jones. 
I think you put in our notes here, elephant in the room, Chris Jones. Pretty good performance by the Chiefs on defense, but what do you want to talk about there? Well, I just, you know, I heard some of the reaction or saw some of the reaction on Twitter last night, you know, how the Chiefs are desperate now and they're going to have to change their plan with what to do with Chris Jones. And I even get asked this on radio shows sometimes throughout the week. And I know you chuckle at this as well, where they just got to pay him. That's what the the host should say. They just got to pay him. Hey, we all want paid more money. That doesn't mean our boss is going to just pay us whatever we want. And so I guarantee you the Chiefs aren't going to do an about face just because they lost one game. I, I expect them to give him the same offer that they gave him last week. If you were going to up your offer, you would have done that already so that he doesn't miss games. <clears throat> the hard part about these, and I've been through them, you, you've covered some of them. These holdouts that go into the season, they get really nasty because there's not a lot of ways to save the day. There's not a lot of ways to throw a life preserver because you've spent everything you can in hope that this guy won't miss time. His leverage is not going to change. No matter what happens to the Chiefs, the leverage is not going to change and and be all of a sudden favor Chris Jones and that they're going to pay him. I just think he's he's going to have to eventually take what they offer. And I don't know why you'd want to reset the market. But here's the key that we have to keep in mind as fans. We don't really know what they've offered. We don't know the exact numbers. We think where this deal should come in is at an average of 26, 27 million, something like that, just behind Aaron Donald. I haven't heard any numbers that exceed that. And all I heard is rumors about how he wants to reset the market. So I think we need to be fair to the process. But at some point, Chris has to understand as well, Pat Mahomes is playing for a little less than market. Kelsey's playing for a little less than market so that they can acquire more players. It's going to be really hard for the Chiefs to acquiesce and pay this guy north of $30 million. So I just don't see that happening. And he lost real money last night for the first time. Obviously, his fines total over $2 million. We figured that out on the show in the past. But he lost over a million dollars in salary last night. It's not coming well, back. He's yeah, not going to get that back. How about the fact, too, that he's under contract next season to the team, yeah. right? So. Right. So that's a big component of this too. How do you feel about that as a GM? You know, when obviously guys are going to come to you to when their their contract gets out of whack with the market, but when you have a whole year left, and we're not talking about a quarterback, I think a quarterback has a different level of planning uh, needed. But uh, what would you, you would how would that factor in for you with a player like this who is important to your defense? He's a great player. He, he really is a great yeah. player. Um, would you be reluctant to go down that road. We've talked about that a little bit with Jonathan Taylor. You know, he's got time left on his deal. He's not a franchise player. No. And this guy, it totally sets kind of where we're willing to go because the fact that he does have another year. I think if if it were different, if he was entering the last year of a deal, you could understand some of the leverage points that I'm sure his camp is using. But you're not going to take this guy having a year left and a franchise tag and reset the market with him. It's just not going to happen. But I say that, and the Chiefs value Chris Jones. They want to pay him. They're just not going to pay him what he wants. So there has to be a settlement point in between. I know this. If you ask, and it took forever, but Le'Veon Bell finally came out and and expressed regret. Um, You remember the Joey Galloway long holdout we had in Seattle, uh, late 90s. Um, We ended up at some point trading him to Dallas. I bet he has the same regret. Everybody that goes through these holdouts that extend into the season have regret. And it's just a matter of when you want to call off the jam, to use the old roller derby term. At some point, the jam has to be called off and we have to take what we can get because this is the system we're using. It's not always fair, but I know this, the Chiefs are offering a lot of money. It is a giant raise for him. 
and it should make sense at some point, the money's just not going to change. They're not going to all of a sudden wake up week seven and say, gosh, Chris lost $7 million. Let's tack seven more million dollars onto our offer. I know. It's that's not a hard happen. thing to make up. It really yeah, you're is not a hard gonna thing make to make it up. up. It, it, that's why I'm saying these things get ugly and then they get personal. And then all of a sudden there's regret. And it's just a matter of how long this is going to go before everybody regrets it. And really it's on Chris's side because he has time left on his deal and the chiefs don't have to extend now, but they're doing, they're doing this because of all the value they see with Chris Jones. You know, not to steal from the GM notebook, I would say this even sucks. And we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll as, get to uh, that. Teasing to I that know, a little yeah. bit later. Hey, <laughs> speaking of big money and taking care of a great player, a really great player, Joe Burrow and the Bengals reached agreement last night, kind of when we were uh, uh, putting the final touches on our little future franchise power rankings, which we'll talk about next. Uh, what do you think of that, Joe Burrow? Well, it wasn't if, it was just when. I'm not surprised by any of it. I mean, they, I think even the Bengals, who are known for being frugal, knew they were going to have to pay Joe. Everybody knew he was going to be the highest paid in the history of the league just because the way timing works out with these things. I'll say this. Joe Burrow has changed the way we all view the Bengals. So he is a one-man rebranding, in my opinion. Um, they were nowhere before. They'd probably be not nearly as far surely without. So I just think it was going to happen. Success and prosperity are the thing though, right? When they come, they're expensive and everybody deals with them different. Uh, it's going to be interesting for me how they handle this semi newfound love that they get now because they've won a lot of games and deservedly so. But the spotlight is eventually going to shift to them building out the rest of their team. I love the fact that they rewarded Joe, Ohio guy. Talk about a ma ma match made in heaven. I mean, there's really no reason not to. Nobody has questions about this kid's skill set now. So to me, it sounded like a no-brainer that just happened to, to get done before he ever laced them up again, which I think is smart on his part. Yeah. You know, the Bengals do get really tired of hearing about their cheap legacy. It's there. Right. I mean, yeah. we're not going to say it's not, but um, I do give them, uh, you know, some credit here not just on this deal, but in, in recent years, I think they have gotten a little defiant about hear, you know, hearing about it. Hey, we don't need the largest staff, that sort of thing. Um, and they have added some really good value pieces in free agency lately. I think they've done a really good job of, hey, you don't have to sign the highest priced guy, but sign guys, Trey Hendrickson, some of the DBs they've gotten over the recent years who really fit what you want to do and then maximize them on the field, coach them, develop them. I think they've done a uh, a really nice job. Now the Burrow one is done. And let's face it. I mean, we say we knew it was going to get done and all of that, but this could have gotten sideways too. If his agent or had tried to really uh, hold them over a barrel more and try to get some sort of, you know, uh, uh, watershed contract that was the first to do this or that, because it would be really easy to paint the Bengals as a team unwilling to take care of him. If you were the agent for him, you could really turn the screws uh, on well, this Agents thing. have tried to do that for years with Cincinnati by just all of a sudden blaming him without even negotiating. Without even negotiating. So yeah. I think it's really good that that didn't happen. And uh, I do like, you know, Katie Blackburn and, you know, being being sort of the uh, – Mike Brown's obviously there, but but Katie Blackburn – Katie's Mike's daughter. His yep. daughter is yep. basically running the team and yep. uh, I think doing a good job with it. And so – this is, I think, just a really good sign that there's a 
a great partnership between the two now. And now we'll see. They have Jamar Chase coming up next too, you know, and he's going to get a, uh, he's going to have a case probably to go to the top or, you know, very near or at the top of the wide receiver market. Uh, And that will be interesting because you can only have so many of those guys at the top and it gets harder as you go along, uh, not just from a cash standpoint, but from a cap standpoint uh, as well. And I guess the cash standpoint we should mention here, Randy, because we always hear about these teams having to take the guaranteed money and put it in escrow, uh, you know, and that becomes a sort of an excuse or a deterrent to, to signing too many guys to deals with fully guaranteed money. But that's the deal. If, if you have full guarantees, the, the player's going to get the money no matter what, you have to put that in the bank. <laughs> you have to put that in escrow. That costs you real cash now, even if the payment isn't going to the player until years down the road. So that's kind of an interesting part of this too that affects all the teams. And I think we've seen uh, it affects maybe these family-run teams more than others. The, the 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 Brown family is, I'm sure, well off, but they didn't come into this with uh, you know David Tepper money or Walmart money. They're in a little bit of a different category. We've seen them sell the naming rights to Paul Brown Stadium. You know that was something that they kind of resisted for a long time. But they're in this world now where everyone who buys into the league now is buying teams for five billion, six billion dollars, and so the cash component of this is a factor, and that's a big chunk of cash for. Uh, for Joe Burrow, and it's going to be big for Jamar Chase, and this is a you know a little bit of a evolving world. Yeah, there's no doubt. You mentioned the, and I I think others I've heard call the funding of these guaranteed contracts archaic, and that they speak out like that should change, so it doesn't cause owners to have to do this. But I got news for you, owners aren't going to change that. They, <laughs> they like, like the <laughs> idea of, of this being a deterrent. They want that. <laughs> to still be there because that is a great reason to push back on guarantees. Hey, we can't give guarantees because we're, we got to fund all these guarantees. It's like money out of our pocket right now, even though it's not paid for five years, you know? So that, I don't think that rule is going to change, but in this case, I think it's well worth it. Here's the, the more of a feel good spin, even as we've already said, it's a feel good story. Isn't Joe Burrow the perfect guy to partner with? And you just said it. They've got a partnership with him now. He's the perfect guy, right? Because he's not gonna, he's not gonna be on McAfee every Tuesday. He's not gonna restate the the uh, uh, the yeah. whole team's needs, the whole team's position on everything in the media. He's matter of fact. He's a man of few words. He's gonna be a great team guy for a messenger for the narrative that the club wants going forward. So I think it's an it's an easy partnership to make without a lot of risk. Now. The medical part is always an issue, right? Like you said, the the guarantees have to be funded if they're guaranteed for skill and injury. And in Joe's case, the risk is injury. Some of that is self-inflicted because they haven't protected him the best. But that would be my only concern with this is we've got to find a way and keep finding ways to keep him upright. That is the only concern. You know, when I talk to people around the league about Joe Burrow, that's the only thing they really have a concern about is I'm afraid is – you know, his career is going to be a little bit shorter because of the hits he takes. And he should be fine through the length of this deal. But that is a consideration to watch for them, not just from a protection standpoint, but how he protects himself. He will stand in there. That too. Uh, yep. He's uh, tough. Too. And to he's, a not, fault. He, yeah. he's not the biggest guy. You know, he, he's not undersized. For his height, weight's fine. But he just, some guys are built a little differently than others. And he's not Drew Bledsoe standing back there, you know? Right. Uh, no, I agree. And I think he'll, the more his body matures, He's yeah. going to add some meat to those bones per se, but yeah, they, they still have to 
always have on the front burner tackles, especially that can keep people off this guy's back because he is the franchise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, speaking of franchises, the future power rankings debuted for uh, our collaboration. I think I did this with a different crew at The Athletic maybe about three years ago, where you try to look at kind of the fundamentals of each franchise, maybe having somebody like a, like Joe Burrow, uh, you know, maybe having, a, you know, taking into consideration who the head coach is, the GM ownership, that sort of a thing, to kind of project how good we feel about teams, not just this season, but more like three years from now. So today we published that future power rankings at The Athletic, Randy Mueller and I, uh, you know, worked on that the last several days. And uh, basically things can change really quick in the league, right, Randy? If we, over a three-year period, Jacksonville's gone from promising to Urban Meyer to back to life, looking like a, uh, you know, if you would have said, tried to guess three years ago where Jacksonville would be, it would be different than where it is now. So things, some of these are, things are going to change, but we do the best we can uh, to look at these teams and say, hey, how do the fundamentals line up? So in talking to you and just talking this through, we looked at quarterback, head coach, front office, and ownership in that order. That was kind of the order, and I think it makes sense. Yeah, it was a fun exercise, to be honest with you. I think what I would beg our readers to do is read the criteria first before you criticize too much of what we did. And we're not saying that we aren't without reproach. I mean, we we thought through these, and I think the good thing we were able to do is we spent a lot of time breaking down those categories that you just mentioned, Mike. What makes a good owner? What makes a quarterback? What the contract value is and how long will he play? Can front offices evaluate and value players, which are totally different, as you and I both know? I would just like for the readers to understand the criteria. And this is a three-year window. It's, yeah. it's going to have some recency bias. There's no doubt. We're all human. But it's, a, it's supposed to be a look over the next three years as to where we're going to be and where we're going to go. And then sometimes, as we all know, the best predictor of the future is history. And sometimes we're a little skeptical because of that. And sometimes we're overly, you know, optimistic because of that. But there's a lot of things that we took into account. Um, it'd be interesting to see what people say. And I'm sure we'll hear about it. Oh, Probably yeah. more negative than positive, but that's I know. I well, it, I think people enjoy these types of things. So, of course, fans who, you know, sometimes view things 
uh, through through the lens of being a fan of the team, and that's fine. I mean, I'm glad everybody's engaged. I think right. it was a fun project. You know, it was fun oh, yeah. to. I liked to me. These are learning exercises for me. Like you were higher than I was on the Giants, for example, because your evaluation of Daniel Jones is more positive than it is for than a lot of others are, which is helpful for me to know. I take that into consideration because you have got great admiration for your evaluation of quarterbacks. The track record speaks for itself. Uh, there were some teams that just didn't fit into a category that well. I mean, we talked a lot about Cleveland, Washington, the Chargers. Think of a team like the Chargers who have this really good quarterback, but we have concerns about the rest of the organization. Just looking at the track record, I pointed out in the piece, Chargers haven't won a division title since 2009, and they've had Phillip Rivers and 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 Justin Herbert like the whole time. So that doesn't there's not a lot of teams like that. Uh, that fits in a different spot. So in the end, I think Randy came up with, uh, uh, you know, maybe the stock market type language to where we had three teams we put in the blue chip category, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Buffalo sort of checking the most important boxes. Had some concerns about, no, I'm sorry, Kansas City, Philadelphia, and Buffalo. Um, uh, we had some little bit of... Uh, I wouldn't say concerns on Buffalo, but but some things we discussed there. We thought about putting Cincinnati in there because we do like Joe Burrow. Uh, we do uh, like what they're really doing with their franchise. We just wanted to see a little bit more time go by in terms of their organization handling uh, all of this business, not just the prosperity. Burrow, yeah. Yeah. Handling the prosperity. But we put them in a category by themselves, kind of the next level, which is, uh, to, to use a stock terminology, kind of a value stock. Maybe they're a little bit more valuable than where we're putting them. And we'll see where that goes. We created a category called preferred stock. You see some sort of stalwart teams in there like Pittsburgh and Seattle, a few others. Green Bay is one of those we're going to talk about. We really debated uh, where to put them. And we ended up putting them in the preferred category despite Aaron Rodgers leaving. I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. We had a growth stock category. Uh, we ended up putting Detroit in there, Jacksonville, Giants are in there. I think the interesting category was the cyclical teams. So, uh, you know, there's some teams in there like the Rams or Miami, the Jets, Cleveland, Tampa. These teams have some high highs and low lows. Maybe their highs are higher than some of the teams in the common stock uh, category that's next, but their lows might be lower too. So those are interesting teams. They might win a Super Bowl or go bust, trying. Uh, and we were seeing And that. are willing to do that. Yeah, are willing to do that. Like the Absolutely. Rams. Yeah. Not everybody's willing to do that. Tampa Bay, you know, has yeah. been terrible and they've won the Super Bowl. So I think those are some interesting teams. Uh, the common stock category had a little bit of a bigger bucket. We did put Dallas in there, New England, uh, uh, some others. You can read the piece to see that. I thought the IPO category was interesting. Teams, largely teams with, uh, you know, rookie quarterbacks that are speculative in nature. Uh, and so we debated who to put in there. Ended up throwing Washington in there. I don't know if the fit was was exactly right on that, but you can read the explanation. We also put in the the records, one lost records for the quarterback or for the head coach, the owner, the GM. It's kind of fun to look at that. We had a penny stock category at the bottom. And, you know, there's some teams in there that have been struggling. I, I noticed afterwards, Randy, we, we put Houston in there with Arizona and even the Raiders. Raiders, by the way, two winning seasons in the last 20 years. Uh, but Houston could be maybe in that IPO category too with the young quarterback uh, ready to go. So we'll see if they can overcome a lot of the turmoil um, they've had there. M might I just add the IPO yeah. category is fascinating because it is betting on some initial stock offerings. 
But the fans of those teams might end up getting an IPA category from watching these guys before they get there. So <laughs> that's pretty there's good. a little difference there. I, when I see IPO, I all of a sudden think they could be IPA teams as well. I was taking a sip at that time. My drink here is not an <laughs> IPA. I've got a, my standard Diet Dr. Pepper going right now. But yeah, an IPA. If you I watch a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, you'll be, you'll be having, you'll be a, few having IPAs a couple of IPAs. Too. Yeah. 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 More of a locker guy myself. So I would, I would <laughs> I have an IPA. Um, so let's hit on a few of the teams we differed on a little here or discuss the most. I did not really know what to do with Green Bay post Aaron Rodgers. And maybe I overvalue how much Favre and Rodgers, Brett Favre and Rodgers, have met and played into the winning equation there for decades. I've been a little cynical about Green Bay just, hey, you guys have been living a life that no one else lives because you have these magic quarterbacks for all this time. It's charmed. There's no doubt. They've been yeah. charmed. Yeah. So it seemed natural to me, at least, to think, hey, the Packers now are going to go the way of the Patriots. They're going to be just another team, common stock, Patriots 500 ball club since Tom Brady retired, even with Bill Belichick. But you advocated for keeping Green Bay higher than that and made a case for keeping them in the preferred stock category with teams like Pittsburgh, Seattle that just keep winning. Uh, almost no matter what. What makes you so confident in Green Bay? Well, a couple things. And let me just make one point before I answer the Green Bay part of it. This exercise was as much about putting teams in buckets and groups as it was in ranking them. So it may not be the same as a ranking per se, but we put these teams in these groups because of the definition of what we had used with these stock terms. So there's more to it. It's not really a one through 32 list. Having said that, I think, and it's just my opinion, I think Green Bay has a really talented roster. I think the only thing holding them back on defense is maybe Joe Barry, the defense coordinator, putting it all together for those guys. I think they have depth. I think they've got a lot of rushers. I think they've got guys that are hard to block up front. And I actually think offensively, they have a better chance with Matt LaFleur to run his system now than they did when Aaron Rodgers was there. And I always go back to the fact that they would not have drafted Jordan Love had they had a warm and fuzzy feeling about uh, Rodgers. Because you remember, he had a couple off years, and I felt like he was kind of mailing them in. They celebrated to get Jordan Love. So I think they handpicked this guy for a reason. Now, having said that, he's still got to play. He's got a really good baseline, though, of three years of service in kind of as an apprentice. And now he's behind the driver's wheel where he'd been riding passenger. So, yes, it is connecting dots. It is moving them up. I just like the I, – I think Brian Gutekunst is a good evaluator, and I think he's got some pretty good team-building principles. And so I felt better about them than I did the exit of Aaron Rodgers. That would be very good news for Packers fans, who I think are excited to have the recent Rodgers drama behind them. It, it's got tiresome. I mean, it's just and maybe I'm biased because I've run teams before, and that would drive me nuts. Yes, no, yeah. Well, that's a component of it, though. I mean, it does affect your organization, no uh, doubt. And it wasn't like you know, hey, when he when he won the two MVPs, you just ride you ride with it. But it was it didn't look that good last year for whatever reason. And at a certain point, he is going to decline. I mean, maybe he already right. has some. Certainly in the quarterback tiers, thing twenty of the fifty voters put him in tier two, so they see decline. A lot of people do. So we'll see about that. Um, good news if, for the if Packers. they thought. Yeah. Can I just make one point, Mike? Yeah. If they thought that he was going to run off two MVP seasons in a row, do you think they would have even considered drafting Jordan Love? Well, that's what made me question of their evaluation not. of him because one of the things that I did, Randy, at, there was a point there where Rodgers had quote unquote a couple of down years, 
And mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, talking to all the people I do in the league about, uh, you know, hey, is is Rogers done declining? He was still getting almost all tier one votes. So I did do a study with a coach in the league h- helping me where we looked at all of the incomplete passes of uh, – we, we broke down all of the incomplete passes Rodgers threw over those couple years, and then we went back and compared it to like a 2014 year when he was – had like it was near MVP level or whatever. And what we noticed was, uh, you know, that the – his incomplete passes looked better than most guys' complete passes. And what was happening – during those down years was guys weren't making plays on the ball, wide open, dropping 50-yard touchdown passes. There was a lot of things that probably led to Rodgers' attitude being bad and his head down and and his bad body language and making it clear it wasn't his fault and all those things that drive us crazy. But as they came back during these MVP years, guys were making more catches for him and more plays for him. Well, then last year, they don't have Devontae Adams. Well, that's taking away Kelsey. You know, so... I questioned a little bit their ability to evaluate what makes the quarterback to be great because I didn't necessarily think, even though I I understand the milling and in component of it through his body language and all of that, I just don't think he was necessarily diminished as a player uh, during that time as much as people thought. So I think, yeah, I, and I, I think those are valid points. And obviously the detail you guys spent on it, it makes you uh, knowledgeable on everything you're saying. And, and I agree. I think the thing that probably stands out to me as a, as a former GM is the fact that the lesson is you can't really evaluate all of the intangible stuff in a vacuum. You've got to actually see the throws, do what you did to go back and look at every detail of on the field action. And then maybe you are a little more tolerable of the intangibles and these other body language things that he had given negativity throughout the whole organization too. Now, they did that the last couple of years because clearly they 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 put up with all of his stuff the last two years there because he played like an MVP player. So they kind of circled back around to that type of thinking. I just think there's a lesson there. At some point, you've got to always go back to the fact that hey, what's happening on the field should be the most important thing. Yep. It's a yep. tough. It's it's a it's a it's a a narrow bridge to cross because yeah. you've always got to go back to the film, in my opinion. So kudos to you guys for doing that. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things you said earlier about this project, Randy, that, that I think people should keep in mind is while the teams are in order, and generally the order does, there is some correlation to what we think our ranking is, some of these categories are a little different. I thought you had some interesting points to make, for example, on the uh, uh, on the cyclical category where, it's, where there's more volatility. The volatility part, is good and bad. <laughs> it kind of depends on. Uh, I, I I guess the good part of the cyclical part to me means that the owner is willing. Their cash is not a problem. And I go back to the Rams for example. You can't question the ownership's ability to financially back every decision made because they went through more cash in a two or three year hi- period than any team in the history of the league with players that they paid and then moved on from. I mean, I could name you 10 years of my career where I don't think we flushed $10 million in those 10 years. They flushed $10 million in, in a week, know, two weeks. Yeah, yeah. It's like pocket change to them. So times have changed. There's no doubt. But the mercurial part of that is there are great ups and there are great downs. And that's why that cyclical part. I mean, Tampa was awful till they got Tom Brady. They win a Super Bowl. Now they're kind of rebuilding again. 
They're willing to do things. It's it's like the uh, you can put the Florida Marlins in there in baseball. Same thing. One two World Series. So you can't say they don't know what they're doing. But every time they did, they tear it all down to the studs and start over again. They like, can't yeah. do that dramatic of moves in the NFL because of the cap and some other reasons. But that's all I'm saying is these cyclical teams are are very capable, but they could go either way. So that's why if you go to the stock market, those cyclical stocks they can make you a lot of money. They can also lose you a lot of money. So well, there's just up why, and down that that's that's some when, might prefer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, when, when somebody sees, I think the point you were making, somebody looks at this and you say, wait a minute, Tampa's listed before Dallas? That's weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Well, who's won the Super Bowl most recently and why? And well, my absolutely. point is Dallas never changes anything. They just keep doing things the same. I think we may have said this in the article. What's the definition of insanity? Just keep doing it the same way, the same structure, the same ideas. But they're good. I mean, they they do have a they okay. they have a winning record. But you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I a think Tampa they would team- rather lose. They would rather lose doing it their way than change and win it all. And and that's how you let coaches walk out the door, like Parcells and like some of these other guys. I guarantee you, and nobody ever says this, but they probably Bill said, "Wait a second, I just can't run a team like this." And we're referring oh, to yeah. Jerry and the way he does things. I couldn't do that either, even as a GM. That'd be hard. It'd be really hard because you have this you have this giant that's stirring the pot all the time that makes it really hard to do your job as a football guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I thought of Tampa too o- over the years. Not only just the you know getting Tom Brady. Remember they traded for John Gruden. I mean that's one of yeah. the biggest moves that's all been in. made. Yeah, and they won the Super Bowl. And you know, yeah. uh, hey, <laughs> yeah. Tony Dungy gets a lot of credit for building that team, but they made a dramatic move that like nobody would make. I mean, who would get rid of Tony Dungy? You know, if, right. if when you were that good and that close, you're going to get rid of him for you know an alter ego, <laughs> a totally <laughs> different guy. I mean, you can't get more different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no in Gruden. So I thought that, yeah, that's interesting. And just how these teams operate. That's really one of the things I appreciate about our conversations and doing this type of uh, uh, exercise is, you know, you really get a window into, hey, it's more than just the roster. It's more than just uh, what's happening this Sunday. It's really how you operate and what you're willing to do, uh, how you're willing to shake it up. So, Check that out, Future Power Rankings on The Athletic. It was a fun exercise to put together. I sure appreciate Randy coming up with the stock market template because I was struggling to find the right categories for each of these teams, but I think it works pretty well. I think it's an interesting read. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's hit the GM notebook here and uh, see what you got. Well, I had a couple things. One one fairly uh, pointed in GM notebook. Another one kind of shirt sleeves into a GM notebook, but more of a fandom. Yeah, we, You referred to this earlier when Chris Ballard spoke to the media a week ago or so, and his frustrations showed with the Jonathan Taylor situation and, and his it's, hold yeah. out or hold in or being injured. It sucks. Or not he said injured. it sucks. Yeah. Yes. He said this loud and clear. Wh- what we all probably agreed with is he said it sucks. He said it, it sucks for the Colts. It sucks for JT. It sucks for our fans. And you could tell he was frustrated for a lot of reasons. But here's why I think he was really frustrated. Because he knows he can't solve this. He knows he can't pay him. He knows that he can't reward what is being asked. And he also has an owner that's probably not going to allow him to. He's not going to allow him to fix it or the latitude to fix it. Because everybody always says, oh, money solves everything. Well, money might solve a little bit of this, but there's not going to be enough money available to solve this. So the reason it's not solved is because I think his hands are tied. The truth is, I think Jonathan Taylor is about two seats away from the adult table. He's coming off a 
inconsistent year, which he missed a bunch of time. He's only got three years in the league, so he's got another year on a contract. Plus, he's got a franchise tag available. Um, he's not as accomplished as Saquon Barkley. I hear people comparing him. Well, Saquon Barkley's this or Josh Jacobs is this. He's not as accomplished as those guys. In fact, I would say this about JT, and I like the guy as a player. He's not as good as as uh, Dalvin Cook. And Dalvin Cook spent two months on the street trying to get $7 million and and had no compensation attached to him and has been to four Pro Bowls. So my point is JT has picked a time, and, and I don't know how much of this is JT. I'm going to put some of this blame probably. on the agent. Probably it's most. got to be. Yeah, most of this on the agent because he's on a rookie deal. He knows he's got the franchise tag staring him in the face. It's not a fight the Colts can not only not win, it's not a fight they can even participate in. And that's why Chris Ballard is so frustrated by saying it sucks. His demands are ill-timed. They're poorly planned. It puts him in bad light because he said in February he's going to honor his contract. Here's the other note to this. We know as an agent, you only get paid on the deals that you negotiate. So guess he changed agents, and guess what? This agent wants to be paid. So he's going to roll this out there and convince him this is a great time to do this. It's just a miscalculation of the whole market, and his philosophy is flawed in that he's not going to get paid. This is not going to happen for him. It's It might not be fixable. It's it totally different, his dialogue that we heard him say in February as to how he's going to honor this. So the new new agent is pushing this, in my opinion, to get a new deal so he gets paid. He, I just think he's getting bad advice here. And that's why I think the frustration we saw on Chris Ballard is real because he knows he might not be able to fix this. And not only that, top it off with the fact that the kid hurt or not hurt. Is he now he's kind of punted for four weeks because he's going to miss four more weeks, but they're paying him. So they're really doing him a disservice. Is it okay? I mean, they're really doing him a service for paying him during this whole process. So I think the thing is ugly. I don't like any part of it. I think this is one of those deals where. It doesn't make sense for the Colts to reward it. It doesn't make sense for Taylor to even ask for this. And the only one that we're helping here is the agent. And I don't think well, that's something that is even going to be fought, that battle. So let's do a little bit of a parallel here. Because you brought up this before, and I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or we were just talking about it. The contrast between uh, Ballard and his it sucks comment, kind of letting him see a sweat a little bit. Uh, versus Andy Reid, who you know is the forward face, the the public voice. Brett Veach is the GM of the Chiefs, but Andy Reid is the voice of the team on personnel matters, especially during the season. Uh, really, not ha- he's not saying it sucks with uh, John with Chris Jones. He's just going on to uh, on to Jacksonville this week. So the contrast there, what does that say to you? It says that the Chiefs know they're willing and want to pay Chris Jones. They want to. They understand they can solve this. They can do this in a professional way. I just think the Colts are stuck. They can't do anything. Everybody says, well, let's just pay him some money. And I even thought that initially. But I've kind of come about face on this to where I don't know that they can do anything about it. So the other thing is Andy's about three steps removed from any contract speak at all. So he knows, even though he might be the boss, I think he does allocate most of that authority to Brett Veach and, and the staff there. So they do some of that. But they, like I say, they're willing to pay. They've offered him. They they think this thing will be solved, and I do too. I just don't think there's been any negotiation in the Jonathan no, Taylor no. deal. Yeah, there's been no yeah. talk of money at all. Because guess what? The Colts aren't going to budge. They're not going to pay. And that's why Chris is so frustrated. Second item in the GM notebook. Second no, no, item was, and this is the one that's kind of shirt tail into what our weekend is going to be like, it's the first weekend for YouTube TV. 
its YouTube streaming platform that's going to have Red Zone. It's going to have all of the NFL ticket stuff. It's different than where we've been housing these things before, which was really Dish TV and DirecTV, a satellite service. This, I just wonder, are we going to have, um, is this going to be a, a tough weekend? Because as we all know, and I've had YouTube TV for several years, I stream a lot of things, but we know there's glitches. We know there's issues with streaming. Look at streaming. you, Mueller, man. You're just like the young kids, man. You're streaming <laughs> We know Wi-Fi enters into the equation here. And is that going to throw off the timing of some games? Are you going to be on your phone and get a score and wait? You're not up to date on the NFL ticket stuff well, because the streaming has been developed? You tell me, Mike. I, well, I, I want to know this I can for me foresee because, the problem. You tell me how to fix it. Because my setup here, so I've got my laptop with a screen, and then i got two big screens on my desk. So I've got three screens running off my computer. Then I've got two TVs separately. Uh, on the wall where, and usually during the season, I'm going to put on, uh, I'm going to put on uh, the games. I would have it coming through direct TV on the TVs. And even, even in my, on my computer, I would stream another screen that had, you could put four games on. So I might have red zone on the big TV. I might have one of the local games, whatever we're getting locally uh, on a secondary TV. And then I'll have a, one of my three computer screens will have a browser open with like uh four games on it you know but, but so i can kind of just if i need to watch one or watch one i can but it's a little bit off to the side because you can't watch everything so this is going to be a whole and i've been doing this i've been doing that for five this will be my fifth season because uh i used to go to all the games but since i've come to the athletic i'm writing more on sunday for monday and i need i it doesn't do me any good to be at a press box somewhere on a game I might not even be writing about, depending on what we're writing about. So um, the office setup, like I, I haven't even, I have to call and sign up for YouTube TV. We've got, I can't believe we don't have it. We got every other freaking streaming thing here. I think, I mean, it's a good <laughs> well, thing. You need my to make son, that happen, buddy. I got news for you. It's a good thing my nope. youngest son got some scholarship help for college because we we couldn't pay with all the all we got going out. I mean, it seems like we got everything up there. Uh, streaming apps are, are streaming are apps. Up for I mean, sure. It's unbelievable how many of them we got. <laughs> uh, it seems like to me, but uh, I need to get into this thing for YouTube and figure it out. So, so the one thing that was a little bit bulky for me watching the Amazon Primes on Thursday night yeah, is I did not I find it to be as seamless. Uh, rewinding to watch plays and that type of stuff. I like to do that. Oh, you missed it. You looked down. Well, what just happened? Well, I like to just take my remote and go back and, I, and it, it behaves in a predictable manner. And then I can catch up right after that if I want to. Um, I've been trying to have a positive attitude on that. But to me, the Thursday night game made that, it was like, you're rewinding 10 seconds at a time. It's yeah, choppy. Hard. What did I do? It just didn't seem as seamless. So what do you what do you say about YouTube TV? Is it pretty good? Or? Well, YouTube is an experienced, I think, more so than um, Amazon is and, and actually more than Apple is. I find live sports. I think they're better on YouTube. Um, I think they've ironed out a few of the kinks, but that's not to say that you're yeah. not at the mercy of some Wi-Fi now. And depending on where you live, I just, I don't know. I mean, I only bring it up because it, it could be hey. a little hiccupy. I know that's not a word, well, but this first yeah, the weekend. Well, Wi-Fi, like I've got great Wi-Fi. You have great Wi-Fi till you don't, till it goes yeah, down for 15 <laughs> minutes one time or something. You know, that, that'll happen every once in a while. Could it create some angst? Now, is the rewind experience the same as watching a video on YouTube? You just tap the arrow if you're on your keyboard or Pretty tap simple. back on the, yeah. if you're on a 
on a device and you can go back that because that's easy for me i, I got no problem well, with that hey i'm from idaho and i can figure that out so i okay. don't think you'll have a yeah. problem there well I'll re- we'll report back next week after i've missed all the games and have no idea what <laughs> I'll happened, tell you what happened on monday another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We got our picks. Let's wrap this thing up before... We go into overtime. Uh, there's good games this week. My, I'll go with the Sando pick. I'm going to go Pittsburgh take two and a half points at home against the 49ers. Am I crazy? Mm, you're drinking the Pittsburgh Kool-Aid. That well, I've been coached up by you on Kenny Pickett's bit. good. Their personnel yeah. moves this offseason have been good. Yeah. And then we've, you know, we've been a little bit big picture questioning San Francisco. Still a really good team. They got Mm -hmm. Bosa back. They're going to have some juice from that. We like the 49ers. We have some, there's a little bit of concern. So, I don't know. Just to me, Pittsburgh is a pretty good team. Like, like it wouldn't surprise me if Pittsburgh was in the mix at the end of the year. I agree with you. I like your pick. Uh, My question is now, how many snaps is Bosa going to get? Having just signed his deal, will he get to play a lot? Because- I mean, he he's he's the game changer, right? He can yeah. change. He can make you not feel so good about Kenny Pickett <laughs> in about two plays. All right, so that that's a concern for me. Um, I, I I'm with you on the pick. I I I always try to look for a home underdog or two, and there are some this week. I just didn't like the options, so that didn't. Do are you going to take Pittsburgh then too? Are you on that one? You gonna no, it? I'm gonna let you have your day. I'm gonna let you have your day. Uh, you can you can I credit yourself. Quick. For- I, I put I was I wrote it in there quick. You can still have it if you want. No, no, I'm good. Okay. I got a couple right. other teams that I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna let you have that. Okay, you. Um, what do you got? I'm gonna take two other teams that I am bullish on, much like the Steelers. Like I say, you pick Pittsburgh. I'm gonna take Jacksonville, given five points at Indy. I think Anthony Richardson is going to struggle against this defense. I think his education is going to be a roller coaster ride. I think Jacksonville solid on both sides. I like Doug Peterson versus Gus Bradley in the matchup on that side of the ball of the mines. So I like Jacksonville going into Indy. I, I, I'm, I, I feel good about where Jacksonville's at right now. So I'm going to pick them. And my other game is, which we kind of talked about, I'm going to go with Green Bay. They're going to Chicago. Um, I think they win the game. They're a one-point underdog. But, you know, Chicago won their first pick in last year's college draft. Just I'm going to keep reminding you that until I see something wow, different. Wow, the Bears are favored? Yeah, one point. I just I just don't see their roster and all the optimism that I'm hearing off what was the worst team in the league last year. They'll be better. I think the Packers roster is just I, too deep for them. I, I didn't see that one. I'm going to piggy. I don't. I got no problem taking one of your games. I'll piggyback on that one. If we need, to, if we both need to pick two, I, I would do that one too. I, I'm on. I'm on with that one. I do see that. The Bears, well, Jacksonville, and Green Bay are mine, and it looks like we're kind of in agreement with Pittsburgh. Uh, Hey, you know, this but- Green Bay game is so fun. Green Bay, Chicago, because there's so much focus. I mean, because Justin Fields is further down this road. Okay, the, even though they've both been in the league quite a while, a little bit. Uh, you know, He's a, uh, Jordan, Fields is entering three year three. Jordan hasn't. Jordan Love really hasn't played much, so not near as much as Fields. 
there's probably a you know a little bit of a grace period. I feel like with Fields, we're going to be analyzing every game and every play, and we just haven't seen uh, the passing game development. And we, look, I don't know that they gave him that many choice chances in the preseason, but I think until we see some of that evidence, um, that's going to be like that. Uh, Two test tubes on how to develop quarterbacks. Totally different, different processes different everything. Well, It'll be interesting to see. You know, nobody wants to sit a quarterback like the Packers have been able to do. So let's just see. Like you say, these two teams are doing things totally different. Quarterbacks were managed totally different. I mean, Justin Fields is entering year three as a starter. Jordan Love's entering game three as a starter. So there's a giant difference in where these guys have and how they've traveled to get to this point. Well, yeah, yeah. The Bears had no probably no choice. They didn't have a veteran quarterback they could set them behind and win any games with. There's some other games on here I don't know that we're going to pick, but I'm very interested to see Miami at the Chargers. I think that's fun because Tua was 10 of 28 passing against uh, the Chargers defense last season. Chargers D has been under a lot of scrutiny. I mean, they haven't ranked very high. They have a defensive head coach in Brandon Staley. There's been a lot of you know, talk this offseason out of Chargerville, you know, about how they got to improve this and that. Um, but they set a really high bar against Miami last season. So now Miami gets to go back in and, you know, it's going to be a, as healthy as two is going to be all year is going to be in this first game. If we have some concerns about his durability. So, and you're going to get Mike McDaniel, uh, you know, took his lumps against that defense last year. So you think he, you know, is going to have some wrinkles and answers. They've got to be able to have a much more representative showing than 10 of, it's hard to go 10 of 28, you know, when you've got a, uh, in, in the NFL. So uh, I think that's just a fun one to circle with some yep. charger narratives. I think the charger narrative needs to change quick. Remember the chargers had the terrible uh, comeback loss. They allowed to Jacksonville in the playoffs. They had actually finished the season strong. I think they won maybe their last four games to get into playoffs, 10 and six, something like that to, you know, a good record. Um, obviously, it was yep. 17 games, but uh, had a good record at, at the end to get in. But if they fall flat or just get rolled by Miami, that is a headline. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that will be a fun game to watch. I'm not one to want to pick that game, but I will watch it because I think it's a cool matchup. The yeah. other games for me were division matchups. Dallas getting three and a half at the Giants. Who the Giants aren't going to be afraid of Dallas. That's one that might be yeah. worth. Uh, thought you might take the Giants on that. Yeah, a nickel or two. Yeah, I agree yeah. with you. That would have been next. And then Buffalo going to the hype machine, uh, the Jets. I mean, we'll see. I think Buffalo has been has benefited a lot the last few months in the, all the attention the Jets have gotten. And Buffalo has benefited in a lot of different ways. Now we'll see if they can put some of that to use by playing the Jets. Okay, so how so? How do you benefit from that? Well, the Jets have gotten every bit of oxygen in the room since summer has started. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has has garnered them the attention of all the national media. Buffalo has been riding, I think, under the radar and made some moves to to be a little better, I think, and give Josh, you know, Allen some some weapons that are a little bit of an upgrade. So I just think they're just sitting there eating their pie just kind of putting along and letting the letting the Jets take all the attention, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they got to punch him in the face, and then we'll see what happens. With uh, with the perception that we even have shared, talked about some perception that you know the Bills have squandered some opportunities, and they may be not necessarily in decline, but maybe they're maybe a little bit. We have a little bit of concerns about them, know. and you yeah. forget they were thirteen and three last year. Randy. Yeah. <laughs> they're thirteen if and three. They lost three games the whole up. year. 
Yeah, so you up for that decline. Yeah, that that's <laughs> they got a great record, you know. And, and you look at I know schedule some of that with where your defense ranks and all that. And I don't know that their defense is going to be quite as good, but they've been ranking in the top five in like everything for a while. So I think you're right that. Uh, you know, I'm sure they watched the Kansas City game last night and thought, oh, you know, maybe we would have won that game too. So uh, we'll see what Buffalo has to make a statement in the Monday night game against the hyped up Jets. I wonder if the Jets are going to be, you know, just continue to have on the microphone so they can be uh, recorded while <laughs> so they're they can feel the at home time. with making up stories and all kinds of stuff about yeah. Eagles and Hawks. Yeah, we could be commentarying, yeah. commentary. Yeah. Oh, geez, this quarterback, <laughs> some magic. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah. This is your quarterback. This is your quarterback. Have this you is- ever seen a narrative that is so fictitious to prop up your own people with false chatter. I've never seen that before. It's like they are begging their team. The coaches want it more than the players. They want to build up that team more than anybody even wants it. And I'm yeah. not sure that feeling is from the inside out the same, if that makes any sense. Well, it'd be very interesting because if they, you know, if they win and beat the Bills, I mean, then you can lean into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, then it becomes true. Yeah, if right the Bills now, go yeah. out and win by 17 and Rodgers is limping <laughs> off the field in the fourth quarter and his receivers have a day like uh, like the Chiefs did or, you know, that sort of a thing, the press conference get prickly real quick. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, no that's what we got this week, everybody. You can find Randy and you can find me on The Athletic. Make sure you got The Athletic app. You can find Randy on Twitter, on X, Twitter, X, at Randy Mueller underscore. I'm Mike Sando at Sando NFL. We will talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of week one. This was the Athletic Football Show's Football GM Podcast.